0: Hi, everyone. This is Alicia Halliday, and this is the ASF Weekly Science Podcast. As a special treat this week, Melissa Scott from Curtin University in Western Australia is going to talk about a scoping review just published in the journal Autism around employment and autism. You've heard me talk about this policy brief on employment that ASF has been involved in. And as a first step, Melissa Scott, a doctoral student at the time who has since received her PhD, conducted an exhaustive literature review on everything out there having to do with employment. We needed to do this to see exactly what science was going on, what were the best practices, what had been done, what needed to be done, what was known and what was not known in research. This was one piece of the policy brief, but crucial, and as you'll hear, very illuminating and interesting. First, I want to introduce Melissa. You will love hearing from her. She has a beautiful voice and is incredibly eloquent. Melissa wanted to provide an introduction to this project.
1: Hi, Alicia. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to speak on the Autism Science Foundation Weekly Science Podcast. It's uh, such a privilege and really exciting to be able to share the success of our research and I guess really the journey that we've had in um, really putting this paper together as a team internationally.
0: So Melissa, tell us about the autism program at Curtin University and your collaboration with Karolinska and ASF. Uh, yeah. So at
1: Curtin University, we have an autism program. Um, it's called COG, which stands for the Court Curtin Autism Research Group. And this formed about eight years ago. And initially, I think there were only about six or eight people involved in the group. But over the last few years, it's just grown exponentially as um, as all the research projects have have picked up. The CARG group, it um, predominantly focuses on adult research in autism. So a lot of our projects are around things like employment, the transition from high school into adult life, looking at quality of life, community access. So things like like um, driver's license, public transport, accommodation, mental health. Um, So very much more uh, the other end of the lifespan rather than focusing on diagnosis and early intervention, which is what the other group does. Um, So we have lots of really interesting projects going on at the moment. And one really cool thing about the car group is that we're not just made up of um, occupational therapists and, um, you know, physio. We are a collaboration of a whole mix of people. And I think that's what makes our project so interesting interesting and so diverse. So we have a lot of um, engineers in our group, a lot of people from technology, speech pathology, psychologists. We have a mix of um, people with different, very I guess, various research experience. So anyway, ranging from an honours student all the way up to professors and through that we also have a lot of community partnerships. So we're really trying to reach as many different areas of life that we can when it comes to understanding autism and and putting our projects into into things we really believe in into things that we really think contribute to making a good life and having a good life and so it is about having projects that understand things like you know accommodation relationships um, you know finding a job moving out of home keeping connected with your friends so our research really tries to take a more realistic and a really holistic approach approach to to autism. So there's always something exciting that's going on. And um, I guess in all these different collaborations and projects that we have, um, Karolinska Institute has come across our path. And this was very much through the connection with um, Professor Sonia Goedler. She has a very good um, working relationship with Professor Sven Bolte, and they've been collaborating previously on a whole lot of different projects. And um, Because of our mutual interest, obviously, in autism research and just really wanting to um, expand what we're doing in the adult space, it just seemed like a really good fit. And I think always interesting to see what other countries are doing in terms of their research and not just looking at what Australia is doing. So having that connection with Sweden was fantastic because there's so many different things that Sweden has done that in a way is, is quite ahead of where Australia is at the moment and um, I guess really just gives us an idea of how we can direct the way that we want services and um, our research to run and especially when it came to doing the scoping review. So it's been Bolte is very much involved in um, the international classification of functioning and disability and health models, so the ICF, and one of the biggest projects that he's been working on with his team is developing course sets for autism and using the ICF to to better understand autism according to a biopsychosocial pr- approach. And so using his research, we thought it would be a great idea for us to collaborate, not only to understand what, you know, autism and employment is like in Sweden, but also to use his ICF sets to be able to map some of our research in our scoping review. So the collaboration with Curtin University and Karolinska has been fantastic because it's really just given us so many opportunities and like almost first dibs on using the ICF corsets, which was absolutely amazing. And um, we have continued that relationship um, with Karolinska in a lot of our other projects and
0: specifically in expanding our research in the ICF ASD course. So why did you conduct a scoping review and how is it different than a meta-analysis? So the reason we decided
1: to conduct a scoping review was for exactly what the name of that describes is we wanted to really scope out what is the literature when it comes to looking at the factors impacting employment for people on the autism spectrum. Now, I know there's a lot of um, systematic reviews that have recently emerged looking at employment and a lot of the different aspects of you know why it's difficult to find and keep a job for people on the autism spectrum. Some researchers started looking at more um, of the interventions to assist in the space. And so scoping review, we wanted to extend past that very... Um, a strict criteria that you use when you're doing a systematic review and really just open up our search to consider all types of literature out there and there's a lot of literature and a lot of programs out there in the grey literature space and we really a scoping review is really done to be able to capture that as well and to really um, start to evaluate even this grey literature is it actually making an impact out there what and if so what is that impact So the scoping review just allowed us to have a very broad look at what's really going on in employment across the world when it comes to um, people on the autism spectrum finding and keeping a job. And the way a scoping review is structured, it just allowed us to have a little bit more freedom when exploring the literature out there. Now, the reason why we didn't do a meta-analysis is because we had so many different types of literature sources and so many different types of studies. And and I suppose very few of them were actually high level of literature. You know, be able to do a meta-analysis and really, you know, compare was actually going to be, it, it was almost impossible. So... Meta analysis, I think, is probably the next step. So, what you know, from collating all this data, going into um, maybe the more specific studies or the, the specific intervention based studies, and doing a meta analysis of just those studies is probably the next step. So, the scoping review just allowed us to, to really explore this topic
0: thoroughly. What surprised you most from the findings of the scoping review?
1: When we started the scoping review, we were really hoping to look for something difference that came out of it I think from the literature there's a lot indicating that the reason why people on the autism spectrum you know have difficulty in finding and keeping a job is because of their characteristics and so a lot of research continuously reinforces the fact that because of social communication difficulties or because of executive functioning um, people on the autism spectrum have difficulty being able to get a job to connect into the workspace and so there's a lot of literature supporting that but going into this research I You know, we were really hoping to find something different to that. You know, maybe another take on it, that maybe there was actually another factor impacting employment, that it wasn't just the fact that autism was on the table here, that, you know, that potentially the environment was going to be impacting employment. And, you know, there's a very little literature out there that has actually considered the environment, you know, what, how does the workplace actually impact success, Um, in the employment space, you know, the fact that you have a really great manager, does that actually make a difference? Does, you know, the fact that you have external support, maybe from a government agency, does that impact your employment? And so going into the scoping review and, you know, really looking at such a broad literature, um, like a, a broad, I guess, collection of literature, we're really hoping to find more than just the autism aspect here, really just looking at, well, what are the other factors? It can't just be autism that's impacting employment, there has to be more to the story. And so the scoping review really tried to look at this concept of employment holistically, not just looking at it from like a medical perspective or a biological perspective. It was trying to really take that biopsychosocial idea and say, all right, well, we know autism is a factor, but what else could actually be out there? So That's really what we were hoping to find in the scoping review. I think one of the most surprising findings that came out of this scoping review, only 36 of those papers were actually interventions targeting employment a lot of papers were really just exploring the idea of employment or were a bit more qualitative research or some were just uh, reports from, you know, broader broader studies at a national level. And so from such a broad collection of literature that we found, you know, only 36 articles looked at interventions to support people on the autism spectrum in the employment space. So that was quite a surprising finding. But further to that, what I, you know, really what I thought was so interesting is that of these 36 studies every single one of them only considered the person with autism and as a factor when trying to find a job now we know in any kind of circumstance that you know whether you have autism or not when you're looking for a job it is not just about matching the person to a job or just applying for a job it has to go both ways so when anybody applies for a job and you go for an interview the whole point of that is to really see if this is a good match you want to consider that you know do my skills actually match this job and do I actually get along with the people who I'm interviewing with and and vice versa but also is this actually the workspace for me is this environment going to support me being the most productive and the best employee that I can possibly be regardless of of what's going on in your life we have to be able to consider employment from two perspectives it has to come from from um, a personal perspective and it has to come from an environmental perspective. Now, all the interventions that we looked at were only considering the personal perspective. So that means all the interventions that targeted employment and looked at how we can support people with autism in the workplace only looked at the personal aspect. So they looked at, well, okay, if we gave someone on the autism spectrum training and interview skills, this is going to improve their likelihood of being able to get a job. Or if we used video modeling or prompting, this is going to assist with preparing for a job. A lot of these interventions had success and a lot of people were able to find and keep a job. And so, by no means am I saying that is a bad thing. I think it's a really important thing, but we need to consider both sides of the equation. And none of these intervention studies had quite considered okay, well, it's great. We've got, you know, this person's got a job. How do they keep this job? That question just didn't seem to be answered and one part of answering that question is looking at, well, okay, well, what is the work environment? do I have a supportive manager what are my co-workers like do people actually truly understand autism do they know what it is or are they still basing their ideas on stereotypes what kind of funding do I have to support this person in the workplace if any do I have external support from um, a government agency is HR on board in terms of the recruiting process and so all these factors which would would classify as environmental factors had not been considered there had been you know they'd been discussed and included in the research. So please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying people haven't done that. People have very much considered the fact that the environment is important. What I'm really saying is that none of the interventions targeted the environment they only targeted the person on the autism spectrum saying, if we work on the personal side, this will make employment successful. So um, it it was surprising that people had said, yes, the environment is important in their research, but no intervention had had actually gone out there and targeted the environment. So what I mean by that, there were no interventions that purely focused focused on upskilling employers and saying to managers or supervisors, this is this is what autism might look like in your workplace, and these are the this is how you would support someone in the workplace. So no interventions actually targeted the environment, or no interventions went out there and said to um, HR departments, um, this is how you educate co-workers, this is how you support them to support someone with autism in the workplace, and and so I, for me that was probably the most finding like there were these great ideas that we need to consider all these things but no interventions have actually gone out there and done that yet so I can't help but wonder if we had interventions that also targeted the workplace so um, modifying the workplace possibly introducing different types of technology introducing education and, and potentially readjusting people's attitudes at a workplace or an organizational level if that is coupled with these interventions that are focusing more on the personal side of things would we then potentially have more success I don't know I like to think so these findings were were surprising but also encouraging because it's opened up a whole other area of research that we need to start exploring and we really need to start considering let's not only focus on the person with autism let's consider their needs and see how we can actually address the environment to match and um, support those needs so that you can have this
0: incredible productive
1: employee in your workplace
0: Finally, how do you hope that these findings influence policy making in autism and employment? So from our
1: scoping review and the findings that we have, we are really hoping that these can be used to influence some policies that will be made. The general message that can be used to influence the policy is, is pretty much the same no matter where you live. Um, overall, I'm hoping, or I guess we're hoping, that the policy can really make an impact at an organizational level. So looking at how the findings can inform policies and organizations that employ people on the autism spectrum to say that all right if someone you know has chosen to disclose that they um, have autism and they may may need support in the workplace that there's a policy in place that ensures that all co-workers or supervisors or anyone who's going to be working regularly and directly with this person has been educated and upskilled to know how to best support this person and you know whether this comes in the form of training as an organization organization to understand autism and to one I guess change stereotypes and attitudes towards autism in the workplace both from an employer perspective and from co-workers or if it's just the select few people in the organization that needs to attend this training whatever that looks like there needs to be some kind of policy that's working at an organizational level to start tackling the environment and start looking at what if we can actually just start with education and workshop training or whatever that looks like that this is going to start making an influence on the other side of that equation when it comes to sleep successful employment. Even to the point of HR departments, recruitment is a very big thing when you are looking for an employee. And sometimes the way that you advertise a job or recruit for someone with autism might be slightly different. It's just about making people more aware of how they can actually reach a broader group of people who have so much to contribute to the workplace, but there's not necessarily things in the workplace that allow or encourage that. So if policies can start tackling things at an organizational level, I think that's going to be a really good start to starting to make some positive change in the employment space. Is there anything else you'd like to add? And, you know, overall, this project was amazing. It's been so great to do the scoping review, not just as an individual team here in Australia, but I've worked with our team in the US and our team in Sweden. It's been so interesting to hear how different systems work, but essentially how we're all working on assisting the broader issues that are impacting employment for this group of people. And so it's been incredible. Thank you for the chance to be able to share our research and our findings. And um, we'll keep you posted. Hopefully big things can come from this or new things. And even if it's something little, it's still a big step forward. So thank you for this opportunity.
0: Well, the admiration is mutual. And this has been an incredibly productive project. And we've already been in contact at our respective countries about employment, about opportunities to work with industry, to disseminate the policy brief, and to work with legislators and employers to help utilize some of the recommendations and ideas. Stay tuned for more on this initiative.